Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Okay, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. Johnny, did that help you at all? That was awesome. <laughs> no one's going to hear it uh, because we are rem- uh, remotely recording. Uh, I sang the theme song to Johnny while it was actually rolling in my ears, uh, which is to say we are Fresh Hop Cinema, a show with a theme song about craft beer and movies uh, coming at you from Chico, California. And my name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. And again, this is week two from quarantine recording remotely. Hopefully yeah. you guys enjoyed it last week. It was fun for us. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Let's do it again. Uh, while you're sitting at home on the interwebs, uh, you have nothing to do. You should check us out. We're on the net at Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod. We're on Untapped and Letterboxed. I wish more people were involved in Letterboxed. It's really fun. It's so fun. I'm on there all the time. Yeah. Uh, I wish more people interacted. So if, if you're listening to this, check out Letterboxd. It's a fun way to keep track of the movies you watched, the movies you want to watch, the movies we've watched. It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, also, also, well, I was going to say, like, I've, especially during these past couple of weeks, I feel like I've easily lost track or I would have easily lost track of stuff that I've seen. Like today yeah. when I was coming up with flick picks, I was like, I know I saw something else, but what was it? And I just checked my diary or movies I've logged in Letterboxd and it was like, well, this is what you watched. And then I remembered. Yeah, that's so convenient if you watch as many movies as we do, especially now that we're quarantined, um, you know, you're going to get a lot more, too. Like yep. You're, yep. you're just so much content to log. Uh, you were saying, you, I think I cut you off. You were going to say something else where we are at. Oh, yeah. Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Uh, right. We appreciate everyone's continued support in these trying times. It is Hard out here for a pimp, so we appreciate everyone's support. And uh, big shout-out to everyone that joined us from Patreon on our Zoom bottle share the other day. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, we're going to be doing it again. So patrons, keep an eye out for some info from me or Max in your email or on the interwebs. Uh, if you're hearing this and you don't know what I'm talking about and you want to, hit us up if you're a patron and we'll make sure you're involved because it's going to be fun. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that we've been struggling with kind of is a lot of our perks on Patreon, what we give back is they're kind of physical things. So like we'll meet up in person or you know, like have a bar hang. That's a, that's a thing we try to do every month. So to be able to have sort of a group bottle share kind of over uh, the internet was pretty fun. Um, we obviously post about it in Patreon. We also have a Patreon Facebook group. Uh, and Johnny, since you're not on Facebook, uh, I will not say that for you. I will always just let you know personally. Uh, but everybody else, if you're in that group, uh, that's a great way to keep up to date on things like Zoom conferences. Yeah, that might be something that we keep in our bag of tricks even after quarantine. Dude, yeah. Yep. Really easy to get people together. And, you know, a lot of us, uh, some of our patrons are spread out pretty far. Totally. Um, you know, so it, like we had Austin on from Southern California. Yeah. He's like seven hours away. Yeah. That so. was great. Plus also like, you know, we're getting together to drink beer. The idea of not having to worry about driving is uh, very nice, I think. Totally. I think next time we should try and work on getting everybody to have the same beer. I think yeah. that'd be really fun. Maybe something that gets national distribution. Uh, if we can all track down like Stone and Joy by 420 or totally. something for this this next bottle share, that'd be really fun. Well, yeah, man. I think so. we're gonna we're gonna try to cover the Lagunitas Waldo's. Is it special ale? Is that what it's called? I don't remember. Something yeah. like that. Well, whatever it is, I think it'd be fun um to buy those by like uh, I don't know, however many people are on Patreon and then go and deliver them and then we all drink it together because we're gonna cover it on the show next week anyways. Yeah, but that doesn't work for people that are out of town, so That's they'll have to buy true. it. They'll have to get it themselves. 
Yeah, but everyone we can, yeah, we could buy a couple six packs and toss it around. Yeah, speaking of um, lots of different types of beers and drinking them together, could you please fill us in on where we're at with our beer madness? Oh my God. Well, yeah, we're in the championship <laughs> round. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm not going to spoil who's in it no, yet because we're going to cover that later. But uh, you can actually find on freshhopcinema.com slash beer madness, you can vote in the championship round and you have... From today, Wednesday, April 15th, through the April 20th. Uh, polls close at noon on April 20th, and there will be one beer to rule them all. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty excited to see who wins. But again, go to freshhopcinema.com slash beermadness, uh, and you will find out who's in the championship round, and it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing who wins. Yeah, agreed. One quick correction. Um, we are recording this on Tuesday, and we'll probably post this tonight, so... Um, if you're hearing this Tuesday and you're like, Wednesday, April 15th, that's not until tomorrow. The poll's open tomorrow, but you get an extra gold star for listening the very first day. So thank you. Yeah. And you get a gold star if you know what day it is. Yeah. I'd ask you, I'd like, what day is it today? When do-? All my numbers are off, obviously, with mm-hmm. everybody else, I think. Yeah. 100%. It's just the way it is right now. Yeah. But nothing a good beer can't fix. And on that note, I think we dive into our first one, which you picked out. Yes. I love beer. Let's yeah, do it. Let's do it. Yeah, the first beer that we're going to be enjoying is one that I've had previously that I really liked because uh, I hadn't seen it around town. So what we are talking about, of course, is Morgantown's Territory out of Tracy, California. They've got a beer called Motorboaten IPA. Uh, I got it because the can was beautiful and I'd never heard of them and it was fresh. Those are three things that will get me to buy your beer every time. So Motorboaten. Did you say say Morgantown Territory? uh, Sorry, Morgan Territory. I just want to make sure. There's a lot of M's in our notes, man. <laughs> Motorboating from Morgan yeah. and Morgan. Madness. There's another brewery called Morgantown Brewing, I believe. I Googled oh. them on accident. Sure. So, yeah. There's there's some discrepancy in my mind. but it's a It's a scattered place anyway, so yeah. who knows. Uh, so Motorboating IPA is an American IPA. 7%, 68 IBUs. It's available year-round. It's got an untapped rating of 3.75 okay. uh, from their website. It's a hop-driven beer. Uh, and it's their interpretation of a West Coast IPA. They use minimal amounts of Maris Otter and light caramel mm, malts to provide, okay. you know, the Maris Otter. I know you're a fan. We've had it before. Have we? Yeah, like it's such a specific name. I don't remember what it was in, but I remember hearing that. And the first time I was like, what could that mean? <laughs> but I know we've done uh, that's, that's weird. Yeah. I Refresh me if you can find that, okay. what beer we did that in. But uh, anyways, those malts provide complexity and balance to the substantial hops that follow. This beer features Amarillo and Citra hops used throughout the boil and subsequent dry hop, and they're responsible for the aromatic nose and quenching flavor. So, have you tried this yet, Max? Yeah, I just tasted it for the first time. I think it's very solid. Just, I mean, I had I had one sip literally as you were finishing your sentence, but uh, first impression, very hop forward, very mm-hmm. drinkable. It's light enough um, for a 7% alcohol. I've, I'm, not, I'm glad it's not kind of... Um, just punching me with booziness. It feels more like a 6% beer to me. Yeah. It's nice and light. I love it. It's balanced. Mm -hmm. You get, you get a nice malt backbone, but it doesn't add too much sweetness or make it, you know, like weird and malty. Like it doesn't feel like a disproportionate amount, certain breweries and beers where you drink it and you're like, Oh, this is so much malt. I'm going to like have a stomach ache. Yeah, totally. This is, yeah, it's really well balanced and approachable. And, um, I, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever had uh, Morgan Territory before, so I'm stoked to get to try it. Yeah, they're relatively new to this area of distribution. I saw them for the first time. I got this probably 
Oh, like right, like the week or two before the quarantine started. So okay. like end end of March. Yeah. Did you already say and, specifically when this was canned? Uh, I have not yet. Okay. Did you? Uh, do you know? Yeah, it's on the bottom. It's a, it's, it's February twentieth, so it's not old, but it's not the freshest. It's about two months on it. Yeah, well, that's still well inside yeah. the drinkability. Yeah, I mean that's well inside code. Anything over three months, I get questionable. But sure. Yeah, two months. That's that's gravy. Yeah, totally, man. Um, yeah, Did I mean, you find where the hell we had Maris Otter yet? No, I keep looking it up, and there's a lot of sort of beer articles on what to use Maris Otters in. Um, but I'm, it's tricky cause like we do a pretty good job with, you know, cataloging what we drink, but I don't think I've ever gone so far as to outside of the notes, maybe write down specific hops in like our episode description or anything. Mm. So I'm still, yeah. Looking. And that is a pretty obscure one. Yes, absolutely. So if we find it, we'll, we'll let you know, but yeah, on to this beer. Uh, I like it. I think it's really well balanced. Um, it's nice and West Coasty. It's very clear. It's not too juicy. It's definitely more hop than anything, which is what you're in the mood for if you're grabbing a beer that says, you know, West Coast IPA. Totally. Uh, you know, it's their take on it. And I think they did a really good job. I love the balance. It's drinkable. It leaves a nice aftertaste. It's not like astringent or sour from the hops and the bitterness. It's got a nice flavor all the way through. Uh, definitely one of the better, just straightforward, simple, but well done West coast IPAs I've had in a while. Yeah. I was thinking, um, obviously preparing, we've, we've had a lot of strong, not always strong, but very intense West coast IPAs given the madness tournament we've been doing. Um, and increasingly what I'm interested in and what seems to hold my attention is sort of the way that a beer finishes. And this mm -hmm. is, this, it's one of the reasons I, I think you and I both love Mayberry IPA. It's just from start to finish hoppy. It tells you what it is. And then it kind of mellows out and leaves you with a very bright, clean end. And this has yeah. similar qualities in terms of the finish. And I wonder, uh, had we known about this beer, uh, several weeks ago, if it might've been a contender in our, uh, in our long list of beers. It's possible. There's <clears throat> definitely some, I think it could have beat out as yep. far as getting into the tournament. Yeah. Agreed. So we'll have to keep them involved. Yeah, man. Um, I, I think we should probably rate this. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think for me, this is uh this is like a 7.8. Nice. Yeah. I, I really like it. Yeah. It's very, very drinkable. This is something going into the warmer months where, I mean, it's 80 degrees almost outside now. This is something yeah. I can see me sitting on my front porch drinking or camping when you can do that again or floating down the river when you can do that again. Yeah. You know, the yep. stuff that we're going to be doing eventually. Uh, or just, you know, barbecuing in the backyard. This is a really good everyday beer to have around. I love that it's widely available. It's, I mean, it doesn't break the bank. Um, so I'll tell you how much it costs if you want after you totally. rate it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, for just an everyday West Coast IPA, this is up there with anything you'll find on the shelf. And when it's fresh, uh, I don't think you can beat it. I wouldn't go out of my way to get it. I'm not traveling to the next town to get it. But the fact that it's available at Spike's, probably most everywhere else in town, mm -hmm. Um, very worthwhile thing to pick up and try. Agreed. I think that we should maybe, I want to point out the label a little bit. It's got sort of a topographical map sort of deal in the background. It's a silver can. Um, and then the colors on it, the accents there, there is a boat with two motors, uh, motor boat. And it's yellow and sort of a, what'd you call it? Like a dark, almost like a dark teal bordering green. Yeah. Like a teal. Definitely. It's, it's a really eye grabbing can. And I, it's, it's like the motor boat and label itself is slightly askew, which would normally bother me, but I kind of like it. It's very curvy and feels very watery looking. It's very relaxing. Like it makes me think that I would want to take this out on the river. 
if I even yeah. did that, and I don't, but it makes me want to go on the river, which I think <laughs> says something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm in a I'm in a similar camp as you though. I think it's very very good. It's very approachable. I like you. Probably wouldn't go out of my way too much to travel for it. I mean, I would go to the bottle shop down the road for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to land on a solid seven. I think it's a very good beer. Yes. I agree. I think that's a good rating. I think it's fair, and I like your assessment. Yeah. Thank you, sir. It'll it'll work its way into my my rotation for sure. I could see me like, uh, do I want like a four pack of Mayberry? There's a new um, what you call it from them, El Segundo brewing uh they have a new ipa it's oh, like effing cool. effing clear or something that. yeah, like yeah, that that's what it is yeah yeah i'm gonna need to try that probably try that this week but yeah. we can't do them on the show every week unfortunately <laughs> uh have you noticed a lot of craft breweries especially in the past couple months have been coming out with like um like low low calorie beers like uh I, the first one i saw was saint archer they did like a 94 calorie lager or something yeah there's been a few of those yeah people are getting in on the hype mm-hmm but yeah, I definitely want to try that uh, that new IPA from El Segundo. But yeah, this this would work its way in, man. Uh, I could see me grabbing a four pack of this, you know, mixing it up with Tropical Torpedo and like all the regular IPAs that I float in and out. Like this this would get in the rotation with Mayberry, I think. Yeah, just to clarify, the El Segundo beer is Clear AF. Clear AF. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I really want to get a four pack of that because it's super fresh. I totally. saw that and I was like, ooh, this is like new. And I love clear beers. I love clear, hoppy, bright. That's why I love Mayberry so much. Sure. So, uh, to be uh, continued on that, I'll revisit that and let you know how I deal I think um, of it. Just jumping back to uh, four packs or singles or whatever. How much was this beer, and did you get it as a four pack, or was it sold motorboat? I mean, was it sold by itself? No, it was just a single, and it was only four bucks. Nice. That's that's a good price, man. Yeah, I drink this all day for four bucks a pint. Yep, same. That's that's hard to beat. Yup, that's what I'm saying, man. I love it. Uh, all right, well, safe to say this will not be our last rendezvous with Morgan Territory uh, today, but let's put Motorboat into bed at least and move along to Beer Madness, shall we? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so we got to talk about um, the, the last week of voting. We were in the final four. Uh, we had Revision, which was our the Revision IPA, which was our 21 seed in the tournament going up against Hexagenia from Fall River, which was the nine seed. And then we also had Booming Rollers at 11 going up against Ubadank from New Glory, at the 18 seed. Uh, it's getting harder, you know? These are all mm-hmm. good beers. I will say off the bat that uh, Booming Rollers is no longer in season. And I can't say for sure, but I was pretty positive that when we started this tournament, it was available, and that's why it made it into the tournament. I thought it was too. So going into this round, even though Booming Rollers was technically uh, more favored to win, I think that the edge to Ubadank being available and just being re-released uh, was a pretty strong edge. Mm. That said, Johnny, would you give me kind of the rundown of what happened? Yeah, so in our first matchup, Revision versus Hexagenia, uh, Hexagenia pulled it out with 54% of the or 58% of the vote. Uh, they knocked off Revision, uh, and they were the favorite. They're the number nine seed, and mm-hmm. they are still the highest ranked in this competition from the beginning as far as ratings go. So yeah, Hexagenia's had a run. Yeah, they have, man. And uh it could be in part that the brewery is really gotten behind this tournament. Sure. But, uh, I think that's awesome. And I think nobody else in any brewery has anything else to do. So quite yeah, frankly, right. they should probably all be getting involved. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and like again, not to beat this dead horse too much, but Fall River is basically up the road from us. And the the yeah. the the more that this tournament has sort of condensed, uh, more local beers have started to shine, um, which I think we should maybe talk about the next matchup because the situation is very similar. 
Yep, that's it, man. We had Booming Rollers at uh, the 11 spot coming in versus Ubedank, the 18 seed. But Ubedank's been storming, mm-hmm. and they continued steamrolling. They rolled right over Booming Rollers at 60% of the vote. They took the win. You and should feel proud of. To you the, should feel proud of saying they. That was a good pun. Rolled thank over. Thank you. That was very nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Usually, I'd like uh, I'd like nod my head at you in person, but I want to address <laughs> that. That was good. Yeah. If okay. you if you can't, since we're not in the same room, in case anyone's wondering, yeah. Max is nodding in approval. <laughs> uh, so Ubatank took the win to go to the championship round to face off. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got a local. Northern California showdown. IPA showdown at the IPA Corral. That's right. We've mm-hmm. got Ubadank versus Hexagenia for the title, nay, the glory of being the <laughs> first ever winner of our Beer Madness tournament. Dare I say the only official IPA tournament in the world. Should be. It should be. And if it's not, it is. G-A-B-F? So. No. Not interested. No. Just this. GTFO. Yeah. We're hey, talking about beer madness. So if, if we had a couple of comments on this, um, this last round, I enabled comments uh, on our poll, which was both smart and dumb. And I'll get into those in just a minute. But um, some people thought that maybe this was the first round because this was the first time they'd tuned in. It is not. It is close to the last if you haven't caught on to that. But if you do want to see what else has happened, the full bracket is on our website. And I just want to give a couple nods here. Like uh, I'm going to see where Ubedank came from. Ubedank started in this competition. Uh, if I trace this back, it was first up against <laughs> against Mayberry IPA, one that we both love, and it uh, took it 56 to 44. We thought that was fine because it's good. Then Ubedank went to take out Double Sunshine from Lawson's. Then it took out my favorite Torpedo. This is the worst. It's it's demolished more of my favorite beers than any other beer in this tournament. Uh, and yeah, then I went think on, Ubedank is your daddy now. Yeah, and then went on to beat Booming Rollers. Um, and then Hexagenia started with, uh, let me trace it back here, um, where are you, Hexagenia? Come here. It started against Brew Free or Die, Blood Orange, uh, predict- predictably beating that. Then it went up against Fresh Squeezed, took that out. Then, in a surprise that shook the world, it took out Pliny the Elder, 61 to 39, and then just now beat out Revision. So, mm. I mean, both of these beers have proven themselves against very good beers. And yep, I, it's just a, it's a, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing to, uh, to observe. Yeah. A showdown for the ages. Yeah, it's it's man, it's for all the glory. It's for all of the hop shaped marbles. Yeah, I'm man. super stoked for this. Uh, both of these breweries have been very involved in promoting themselves on social media. Yes, and uh, keep an eye out on both of their their social media in all facets because they're going to be caping for themselves pretty hard. Yes, uh, I am very excited to see who comes out victor here. Uh, it's going to be a, an interesting showdown. I love that two very local. Very, um, you know, regional favorite beers have come out ahead here. I think uh, geography played a big part in this, but I think that's awesome because that means the beer drinkers in our community have taken the time in mass to step up and vote for the beers that they love. So next week we will have a champion. We might kind of get some trophy or some maybe a belt. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. We should try. We should get like a a, a, a cup, like a championship yeah, okay, cup. Sure. Like a gold-plated tulip glass, IPA glass That'd or be great. something. Real yeah. gold. Real gold, obviously, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sorry, patrons, we're going to upcharge. There's this all month. that. Yeah, we got to bump you guys a lot. Yeah, yeah. you're $100 an episode now. Sorry. Um, 
but yeah, we'll we'll do something. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm not going to say who I want to win. Neither no, is yeah. Max. We're not going to bias you guys. Let's just say that these are both great beers, and they both deserve to be here. So yep. that's your full rundown of the Beer Madness Tournament yeah, all um, the way to the championship. Yeah, very briefly. I did want to – I said I opened up comments here. I wanted to read a couple because I appreciate – some people left some really uh, constructive comments or at least very opinionated ones. Um, so I wanted to give those people shout-outs. There's – we had – I don't know how many are on a page – it looks like there must be like 30 or 40 comments per page. And I have 16 pages of comments. So I am not going to go through all of them, but I will. I highlighted a couple. Um, so really quickly uh, from Brittany, way to go. New glory. Fair enough. New glory gets a lot of love here. Uh, ben says, Ubedank has been my favorite beer since I first drank it two years ago on 420, uh, let alone new glory became my favorite brewery. Uh, Brian says new glory has modern times beat every day and twice on Sundays. Rachel says, New Glory, the best for sure. Uh, our friend Jen says, that was super hard to choose. I think that's absolutely true. And then we kind of get into more of the people that say, Hexagenia, first rate, like John, or Hexagenia is the best IPA available in America uh, from another guy named Brian. Somebody, that's an anonymous person. You do not get a shout out, anonymous person. Uh, Wesley says, thanks for entertaining us and giving me a new beer to try. There's a lot of comments like that. And I think those are very affirming to me. Because it's like, this, we put a lot of thought into this and it's nice to hear that especially in this, this happened obviously before the uh, coronavirus thing took off. So it's nice to see that some people are using this as a nice distraction during all the chaos of the world. Absolutely. Um, there's, yeah, there's a bunch more comments, Johnny, maybe I'll email them over to you because there's some really nice thoughts in here. But um, I think for the meantime, maybe we do, uh, maybe we do move along. Yeah, that's awesome. And just want to say one one more time, I don't think we've said it yet, but sure. we really do appreciate everyone that yeah. voted. I think this thing, I mean, obviously, we know we're amazing, but um, this has gotten a bit bigger than I think maybe even you or I were expecting. I mean, I know we hoped it was going to kind of blow up and take sure. off, but this has kind of taken a life of its own, and uh, it's you know gotten shares for some really big breweries, and sure. the numbers in the voting have been uh, honestly beyond anything that I expected. So yeah, big man. thank you to everyone that's voted. Uh, it's really cool. It makes me feel like we're all kind of together and, and doing something fun. And, uh, thanks for voting. Piggybacking off that one more time then. Yes. Super. I double down on all of that. If you are one of the people that voted and have started listening because of this tournament, extra thank you. Um, it's really nice to expand sort of this thing that we do here. If you felt like showing a friend, cause we're going to do this again in a year, that would also be awesome. Yeah, if you're a person that just found us through the tournament, yeah. uh, email us, fhccast yeah. at gmail.com. I'd love to send you guys a sticker or something. Yeah, fun. or a koozie. I think um, we still have some koozies around. That could be fun, too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you found us through this tournament, let yep. us know. Please, that'd be great. That'd be really cool. Uh, okay, but enough beer for now. We need to get into some movies. We're going to talk about flick picks, and I know we each have one, and I think I'm going to throw it to you to go first. Okay. Yeah, my flick pick is a documentary that dropped April 10th, uh, just a few days ago, right here in the United States on Netflix. It's called LA Originals. It is a documentary documentary directed by Estevan Oriol, uh, and it is basically the story of a photographer, Estevan Oriol, and an artist named Mr. Cartoon, who turned their Chicano roots into like a gritty art culture movement impacting street culture, hip-hop, and like lowrider culture and so mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. like very far far reaching impact that these guys art had in like the culture of LA and like the world of pop culture in general 
uh, and I thought it was a very fascinating documentary. Uh, it's like I said, directed by the guy that is the photographer in the film, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just fascinating. If you don't know the story of uh, Mr. Cartoon, he's one of the most famous uh, tattoo artists in the world. He's tattooed everyone from like Justin Timberlake to 50 Cent. Like he's just huge in the music yeah. industry. And this is all about like the backstory of what they were doing in their early life, what led them to be the icons of like Chicano culture that they are now and all the steps that they went through to get there. And uh, it's a very fascinating documentary. If you have any interest in uh, tattooing, art, photography, uh, videography, uh, or just want to watch a cool documentary with some interesting stories and very interesting people, I think you should check it out. Sure. I was going to say, I mean, for people that have never seen you in person, you're no stranger to tattoos. Um, yeah. Are you like, if you had it, cause I, you have a bunch of different styles on you for somebody like me who is not maybe as experienced or knowledgeable about tattoos. Um, are you able to speak to like this guy's influence over the years in, in tattoo culture? Yeah, he actually speaks about that in the documentary. Um, and his style, Mr. Cartoon, has always been very uh, influenced from the the prison style of tattooing, mm-hmm. which is like single needle, black and gray, very simple but deep and poignant. Uh, he actually was influenced heavily by letters that people he knew and that he would see came that came from prison. The prisoners would actually draw these really amazing pictures in this black and gray style, like on the mm. outside of the envelopes. And they were just like these murals on these envelopes. And it was gorgeous. And he thought that if he could incorporate that style of art with his existing experience in graffiti, um, that it would just take over the world. And he started actually incorporating those two in street art. Mm. So he took that influence and took it to the streets with, with spray cans and and tagging buildings and stuff. Uh, and eventually that segued into tattooing where like the black and gray single line, like just really, really cool style. He made it kind of cool again. Uh, there's a really, a lot of parts in it where he's talking with people that he's tattooed and he tattooed like most of Travis Barker's body, oh, the wow. drummer from Blink-182. Yeah. Um, and you can see it, you know, and he was just saying like the first ones he did were like praying hands on the side of his head. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's wild, man. It's fascinating. If Even if you're not into tattoos, it's like a really cool story. But someone that's pretty interested in the history of tattoos, and I've known about Mr. Cartoon for a long time, and I know that he's tattooed artists that I like and is just, you know, an icon. It was really fascinating to get to know a little bit more about the backstory, where it all came from. Yeah, uh, it's how about how long and where specifically can people watch it if they want to? Uh, it's an hour and a half, really digestible, and it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Sweet. Yeah, super so yeah, it's, super attainable, I guess. Yeah, it's like two clicks away. Uh, it, funny, I was, I've was i been wanting to watch it since it came out, but mm. I was sitting on the couch, and uh, we finished the documentary that's our main focus for this week, yeah. and this just started playing after it. <laughs> you love documentaries I like, now. I was like, I'm leaning into it. I yeah. wanted to watch it anyway, So, uh, and I was very pleased. It was really good, super entertaining. Um fascinating people, beautiful art, um, and just, you know, a glimpse into a world that a lot of people probably don't know that much about. So I would definitely recommend checking it out. LA Originals.
That's Sweet. right. Uh, okay. What do you got, Max? Well, so I, I just, I'm in a couple of um, film groups on Facebook, and one of them is an A24, which is a distribution company. It's dedicated to those movies. And somebody the other day posted a list of all of the A24 films ever been released. Um, and I can't think of how, how many you figure. I sent you the list. There's, there's got to be like 80 or 90 movies on there, right? Uh, on that list? Yeah, yeah, probably. There's a ton. And I, I did my tally, and I'd seen 34 of them. Which is, you know, I got a lot of work to do if I want to finish it. But I figured I would do a little bit of digging on some of these movies that I hadn't seen, some that I'd heard of, and some that were just total blind spots. And I came upon one also on Netflix uh, called The Bling Ring. came out in 2013. It was directed by Sofia Coppola. And it's this story that would actually is – I haven't done much digging, but it's supposedly based on a true story um, – and the, the letterbox synopsis says, inspired by actual events, a group of fame-obsessed teenagers use the internet to track celebrities' whereabouts in order to rob their homes when they're not mm. there. Um, and it stars mostly people you haven't heard of, I would assume. Uh, Katie Chang, Israel Broussard, uh, Claire Julian, and then we also have Emma Watson and Tessa Farmiga and, and Leslie Mann's in it as the mother of a couple of the girls. But the movie itself, it's, it's about an hour and a half long, uh, similar to yours. And it's just, it, it's a kind of ends up being this big commentary on sort of fame and maybe infamy and which is more attainable. Um, and, and it's like people wanting to emulate celebrities so much to the point that they would literally just break into their house and steal their stuff and be like, all right, well now we're living the lifestyle. And hmm. it's, it's just like a kind of concerning look at young, younger people. Um, fortunately, I mean, the difference in 2020 versus 2013 with regards to cell phones um, is pretty huge. Like they, they have a digital camera in this, but I feel like this issue of sort of uh, raising celebrities up on pedestals has only sort of gotten bigger over those seven years. Um, so I wonder what this movie would be like if it was remade, but even as it is, it was pretty, uh, pretty not quite disturbing, but eye opening maybe. And a little bit left me a little shaky. Mm, okay. Interesting. And where is this available to watch? Also on Netflix. Um, nice. What also kind of was interesting to me is like, so they break into a lot of these celebrities' houses and they're not just like ex made up celebrity name. There's like Paris Hilton and mm. Lindsay Lohan and like actual people and whether or not they're actually in their houses. Um, I, I do not know, but clearly these people have signed off on using their name and their image. And uh, like when they break into Paris Hilton's house, She's like got murals of herself everywhere and she's stitched onto her own pillows. And it's almost so <laughs> absurd that I feel like it probably is her house. And she was like, yeah, give me some money and let's do it. Right. And it's just a little strange. The other thing that caught me is without spoiling too much, like the movie starts with um, sort of a police interview with one of the kids. So they've been caught. Um, and it's just like the, they mention it in the, in the movie, like sort of the Bonnie and Clyde obsession that people have in America. Like if you start yeah. rooting for the bad guy, especially when the people they are against are like these unattainable, in this case, celebrities that are like, yeah, you know, they deserve to be robbed. It's like that good Charlotte song uh, that nobody knows what I'm talking about. So never mind. But lifestyles are the rest of the I know, you know, yeah. But a lot of other people are like, what are you talking about? Um, but it is kind of an interesting commentary, if nothing else. And uh, I think it's worth a watch if you feel like you have an hour and a half on whatever day of the week it is now. Check out The Bling Ring on Netflix. Nice. Very cool. How you feel about a break? Let's take a break. We'll jump right back in with our, is it time for the featured film of the day? I'm out of beer. I think we do another beer. Ah, good deal. Let's <laughs> have another beer and then we'll talk more about movies and stuff. 
And we're back. We've decided that alcohol is more important than movies at this particular moment. So we're going to get into our second beer, which is from, apparently, our featured brewery of the week. We just decided. <laughs> yeah, we uh, decided. It's, uh, yeah, it's Morgan Territory, you know. We're giving them some love. They're new to our area. They're fairly local. Tracy's not that far away. No. So I'm into it. Uh, the next beer from them, uh, in sequential, you know, we're getting bigger. We started with a single. We're moving on to the double. It's called Hoptomic. It's Hoptomic. Like atomic, atomic. Like yeah, yeah. It's a double IPA that's eight and a half percent. It's eighty-five IBUs. It's available year-round. It's featuring Citra, Simcoe, and Amarillo, and it's got a rating of three point eight six on Untapped. So pretty solid from yeah. their website. The description reads: Hoptomic is a hop-forward West Coast double IPA that's driven by profiles of citrus, pine, and resin. We keep the malt bill simple so it won't interfere with all, interfere with all the hops. Uh, Hoptomic uses Citra, Amarillo, and Simcoe to achieve its signature flavor and aroma. Often mistaken for malt sweetness, we added so many hops that the hop oils start to impart body and sweetness into the beer. I am very thankful that they said that because my first impression of this was it's got an interesting sweetness to it. And I was wondering where that was coming from. Yeah, I like they're they're kind of following suit. If you, well, so their can has a very similar vibe to the last one in that it's got almost a topographical map kind of thing going. Except this time the can is a very strong orange, and it has what looks to be like a, an atomic bomb in the form of a hop, and lots of those being dropped from planes around. And the description on the can says the following: uh, with a critical mass of like you said, Simcoe, Citra, and Centennial in the kettle, and megatons. Uh, of Amarillo, Simcoe, and Citra added to the fermenters. Our double IPA lives up to its name. Its pale color and light malt don't get in the way of the battle between the hops' bitterness and resinous sweetness. The haze in the beer could be the fog of war or just the fallout from this hop bomb. Lots of puns nice. in there. Lots of beer it is. bomb puns. I like it. Um, so you brought over uh, our first beer today and then we exchanged it from a distance from my gate. And then I went out to get one more because we had a repeat one and I didn't look at the first one you gave me. So we actually are ended up doing uh, Morgan territory twice by accident or maybe fate, whatever you prefer to believe. The stars and hop gods have aligned. <laughs> uh, my, my hope is that this one is just as good, if not better than our first one. But uh, you mentioned having had a chance to taste it. So how does hop tomic stack up? Yeah, man, this beer is real good. Uh, this is uncommonly smooth for a beer of this ABV and this IBU in this category. Uh, this is a tremendously well-balanced double IPA. I think they really knocked this one out of the park. It's it's piney and sappy and just it tastes like runny sap. Yep. You've got this this odd sweetness that I'm glad they described uh, because I was like, eh, is this malty? Like double IPAs get a little sweet sometimes and it's just odd. Um, but knowing that it comes from the hop oils and you really do taste like it's sweet, but it's like a hoppy sweetness, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, so yeah, dude, this beer drinks like a single IPA, like it's real smooth. And like, I took a sip and then I ended up just drinking like, I don't know, a quarter of the can. <laughs> uh, I'm, I poured the whole can into a big 16 ounce tulip glass. Oh, and nice. I'm, yeah, I, I literally drank, you know, 20% of it. Cause I was like, while you were talking, I was like, Oh, this is good. I just kind of <laughs> stuck like, Oh, this is like chuggable. I think, yeah, uh, no matter what we say, if, if that's what the reaction is, I don't, I don't care what the words I use. I think that speaks for itself in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. It's big. 
it's viscous. It's definitely got a bunch of body. Like, you know you're drinking a big, thick beer, um, but it doesn't taste hot at all. Like, it's big in body and mouthfeel, but not in, like, alcohol burn. Yep. Those hops really mask that ABV well. Uh, this is surprisingly enjoyable. I I, I wasn't sure at 8.5%, you know, all the hops, like, it could just be too bitter. But sure. it's so well-balanced and drinkable and smooth. And I wasn't expecting this beer to be as refreshing as it is. Like, it's it's a really nice drinking experience. Are you aware, not are you aware, when's the last time you've had um, uh, Hop Hunter from Sierra Nevada? Uh, last week. Really? I can't. Yeah, where I love is, that beer. Where are people selling that beer? I can't find it. I haven't gone to look, but I haven't seen it. It's everywhere. Hop Hunter is? Yeah. What am I thinking of then? Because that's not what I mean. Uh, no, that is what uh, I mean. Thinking, are you sure you don't mean Hot Bullet? You're thinking of, oh. You, yep. You're thinking of Hot Bullet, huh? I am. I want Hop Hunter. You know what I'm talking about? Hop Hop. Bullet replaced Hop Hunter. Well, that's in their bullshit in their year round lineup. Because I like Hop Bullet also, but but Hop Hunter is a beer made with I think they use hop oil. Yep. Um, and just looking at the description that you read, um, I think there's some similar characteristics from hop oil in this because it's just like like you're saying it, it's it's big and you can tell it means business alcohol wise, but you don't feel that certainly not in a negative way uh, on your palate. Like it's, it's, it's super, uh, what's the right word? I mean, it's definitely resiny and definitely piney, but also like, yeah, like a hop sweetness is not a thing that I ever say. And it doesn't necessarily make sense, but I do feel that way. Like there's, there's a lot of citrus stuff going on here, but it's never astringent and there's body, but it's never, it's never, um, it's never too heavy. I think it's, it's a super solid and eight and a half percent is a joke. There's no way, uh, right. There's no way. Seriously. Um, it's very good, man. Um, I, I've only had uh, not quite as much as you cause I'm drinking out of a smaller glass, but if you have any other thoughts, I would love for you to share them while I refill mine so I can get another, another, or a second impression maybe. Yeah, definitely. I, I really agree with you though. Like eight and a half percent, uh, is kind of outside the realm of like believability. Yeah. It's crushable, man. That's, that's probably the highest praise I can give for a beer this big. I can just drink it like i could slam this no problem and yeah. something that's eight and a half percent and super thick shouldn't be slammable and refreshing uh it's killer this is a really solid solid beer i am super into it i think i like this one more than the first one yeah oh for sure yeah uh it's so good who are who are these people who are these Marking people territory uh, yeah, we, we gotta reach out look and I was looking at their website and they have quite a bit more in the way of offerings than I've seen I've only seen about two or three beers from them, but they've got a full lineup and it is substantial and it does look amazing. So we might need to reach out to them or make a run down there. Yeah, man, they have, they have uh 19 beers. That's yeah. something. And yeah, like we just, I mean, I don't know if these are on their website, if they're posted in sort of the order they are released. Cause the last two are the ones that we've had today. Um, I think that's just a list of their year round. Yeah, maybe man, that's wild. This is a good yeah, one. This, we talk about so much on the show whenever we try to find somebody on their website and it's just like not up to date at all. This mm-hmm. one is very good. They have their yeah. beers organized. You can, you can click on like, if I clicked on fruity, it brings up two of their fruity beers. Hoppy. That's mm-hmm. very cool. What a very cool feature yep. they have. Oh yeah. And I really want to try like their oatmeal stout, the grinding mm-hmm. stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they do a scotch ale. They could do a old Diablo barley wine. 
The yeah. Mad Badger Pale Ale. I know. Yeah. You know, I will say it's not maybe not a great thing that they have to compete with modern times because a lot of these beers have sort of the, it almost looks like the same font. They have an M and a T. It's like that screams modern times to me. Yeah. If these guys it get does. bigger, they might have a uh, Lagunitas Sierra Nevada situation on their hands. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's different enough that they'd probably be fine. I mean, it's inside of a grain silo. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so, man, yeah, this is, I mean, both both very good beers. I think I'm with you. The Hoptomic is, at least for me, more enjoyable than the Motorboaten. And they have a seasonal uh, coffee stout that looks really good, too, called Midnight Sea. I was so. just looking at that one. It does look great, man. Yep. Where are all these yeah. beers? What's that? Where are all these beers? I can't, like... <laughs> How have we not heard of these guys? Is my point. Well, I think they just recently got distribution in this area. I guess. Like, I grew up in Modesto, which is a stone's throw from Tracy. Um, and I can't find in their about section when they were founded, but I want to know. Let's make a note to to reach out to these guys and maybe get a few comments because I want to know more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like them a lot. I think. Uh, they keep messing around like this, man. They're going to be in the runnings for one of my favorite Northern California breweries. For sure. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, on that note, why don't you give me a rating for Hoptomic? Hoptomic, man, uh, surprised me. It really came out of the gate being super drinkable, super crushable, uh, all the things I've already said a bunch of times. Uh, it's up there for me, dude. I think this gets into the eights. Do you have uh, Do you have your notes in front of you by chance, your Google Doc? Uh, yes. Do you have, do you have your number? Don't look yet. Do you have your number already in your head? Um, I already looked, you messed uh, it up. Is it? No, okay. I was, were you going to go yeah. lower than that? Yeah, I okay. was, uh, for me, I mean, it gets into the eights, I think, but barely for me, something in the eights is like, I'm going to travel for yeah, it. Yeah, sure. And I, I would travel up to 30 minutes for this beer. Okay. So that gets it an 8.3. And the point three is for the amount of minutes that I would travel to get it. <laughs> point one for every 10 minutes. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Up to an hour and a half ish. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, that's fine, man. I, I gave it a nine. I'm I'm very pleased about this. It's it's super drinkable. Um, and let's talk price point, because you I got this one. So I don't know if did you see this at Spikes or no? Uh I did. Okay, so I picked this up at SNS. Um, and it was what, did you happen to catch the price at Spikes or no? No, I okay. didn't. Uh, so I think it's like four fifty or something, like maybe five, like five ish dollars for yeah, a pint can. For a pint can of eight and a half percent beer that doesn't drink like that, except gives you all of the flavors you'd want and none of the none of the sort of heaviness. Yeah, great beer. It's killer. Yeah, great beer. Also, I'm going to check the canning date on this one because I feel like it was newer. Yeah. Okay. So this one is from uh, March 3rd, 2020. Nice. So this is about a, a, a month and a half old. Yeah. So yeah, it's got a whole month of freshness on, on our first one. So I feel like, you know, maybe if we had, because a lot can change in a month with a hop forward beer and this is incredibly hop forward. So yep, last that's one. very true. So we'll have to, I guess we'll have to drink them again. Oh no. Oh darn. <laughs> so I think the bottom line here is that Morgan territory is really good. Yeah. Uh, we've had two of their beers. I'd had some experience with motorboating before we drank them basically <laughs> together. I'm sorry. And it's phrasing, uh, man. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. All right. All right. Uh, get your mind out of, I the am boob sorry. Garden. So yeah, I, I like the two beers that I've had from them. I liked motorboating as much the second time as I did the first time. Sure. And this beer 
kind of blows me away as far as like how balanced and and tasty it is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. keep your eyes peeled for Morgan Territory. Uh, I feel like they're going to be making some noise around these parts here pretty soon. Agreed. Okay, we're moving right along. We're going to discuss a documentary on Netflix called Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution. Uh, and But before we get into it, we're going to play you a trailer. So listen up. What, you want me to tell them what happened? <laughs> well, two people got cramps and they're spreading. We were all very hyper about it. And I have to go shower some people. I'll see you later. I wanted to be part of the world, but I didn't see anyone like me in it. I hear about a summer camp for the handicapped run by hippies. Somebody said you probably will smoke dope with the counselors. And I'm like, sign me up. Up to Camp Jeanette and find yourself. There I was. I was at one You wouldn't be picked to be on the team back home. But at Jeanette, you had to go up the back. Even when we were that young, we helped empower each other. It was allowing us to recognize that the status quo is not what it needed to be. The world always wants us dead. We live with that reality. At the time, so many kids just like me were being sent to institutions. It was just a continual struggle. Most disabled people, like myself, are unable to use public transportation. We needed a civil rights law of our own. A rehabilitation program has been vetoed by the president because it was cost prohibitive. We decided we were going to have a demonstration. You get the call to action to the barricades. A small army of the handicapped have occupied this building for the past 11 days. So many people from Camp Jeanette found their way into the building. The FBI cut off the phones. The deaf people went, we know what to do. That's how we communicated to the people outside the building. The Black Panther Party would bring a hot meal. We were like this. We are the strongest political force in this country. We will no longer allow the government to oppress disabled individuals. And I would appreciate it if you would stop shaking your head in agreement when I don't think you understand what we are talking about. What we saw at that camp was that our lives could be better. If you don't demand what you believe in for yourself, you're not going to get it. I said you like to see... Um, handicapped people depicted as people. Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was a trailer for Crip Camp, colon, A Disability Revolution, a documentary directed by James Lebrecht and Nicole Noonan with executive producers, uh, one and two, Barack and Michelle Obama. That's B&M Obama for you guys. Um, They also produced um, American Factory, I think, please don't quote me if I'm wrong. If I'm right, quote me forever, uh, which was a documentary up for uh, an Oscar last year or this year, technically, I guess, but whatever. It won. Oh, American Factory won, did it? Yeah, it won the yeah, Academy Award for right. Best Documentary. Right. Yes. Um, anyways, uh, Crip Camp had a limited theatrical run scheduled for this year and it was canceled due to everything going on. So it was released straight to Netflix on March 25th, 2020. Uh, and the synopsis goes something like this. Down the road from Woodstock, uh, the music Woodstock. This is back in the seventies, the early sixties, or the early seventies, late sixties. A revolution. Woodstock is a place. That's what I meant. A revolution blossomed <laughs> at a ramshackle summer camp for teenagers with disabilities, transforming their lives and igniting a landmark movement. So, Johnny, quick uh, couple notes in the beginning. I had just learned about this like 
I think yesterday. And I was like, all right, we were pitching each other movies. We're obviously um, kind of scrambling for stuff to watch that is new and relevant. And I was, you gave me a couple ideas and I was like, okay, wait, but what about a summer camp for disabled people run by hippies? And you were like, oh, I've been meaning to watch Crip Camp for like, you name dropped it. You knew. Uh, I'm I wondering knew. how long have you known about this movie? Uh, at least a week or two. I saw when it dropped on Netflix, it was like the featured thing where like you turn it on on your smart TV and like it starts playing the trailer. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, mm. and it's produced by the Obamas. That's dope. Right. Like I'm in. Uh, and I watched the trailer and I'm like, I have to watch this soon. And then it got added to my list and I kind of forgot about it for a little bit. Uh, but when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, totally. I've been really wanting to watch that. It looked fascinating. It's a part of history that's relatively recent and uh, yeah i was very pleased when you brought it up and it was kind of a perfect fit because uh that's why i wanted to keep my flick pick something on netflix too because right you know the theaters are closed i want to be reviewing stuff that's like two clicks away for everyone stuck at home sure. that we can all sit back and enjoy so i'm super stoked that we did this uh and that's how i knew about it what did what, what how did you find out about it uh what made you want to watch it all that fun stuff yeah i was doing some digging um because like you're saying, we did a couple back and forths, you and I, about like, well, maybe we watch um, some of these movies that theaters have or production companies have now, instead of putting them into theaters, have made available for like 20 bucks to rent. Um, in the discussion was the Ben Affleck, Affleck movie, The uh, the Way Back or The Way Way Back, whatever it is. One of, one of those is right. Um, and we just decided like, yeah, we want to do stuff that is more or less free to people that have subscriptions. So I was looking up. Um, I think I probably looked at like 20 lists of things that were new to Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and HBO and whatever. And I saw this Crip Camp and I'd never heard of it. And I saw the same things you just listed, like hippies, um, people with disabilities, Obamas. I'm like, okay, like how, A, yes. B, how have I not heard of this before? It's like three right. weeks old at this point. It never showed up in my queue. I don't know uh, why, but it should have. Uh, it's just one of those movies that like, I think was a story I did not know about. And one that deserves to be heard. So I was like, yeah, let's for sure watch this. And I can happily report it was well worth the like two hours it took to watch. I would have watched it for longer. I agree wholeheartedly. 100% man. I wasn't ready for how involved and emotionally empathetic I was going to be towards this movie. I know. Like I wasn't ready. Like no. I watched the whole thing and like after it was over, I'm like wiping tears from my yeah, eyes and man. I'm like, I wasn't ready. Like I did not consent to being this emotionally <laughs> just raw right now. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, I was unbelievably not ready, but also so happy I watched it. It was such an amazing story. Yeah. I mean, like maybe rightfully so the, the, the early seventies, late sixties kind of time period is dominated um, by civil rights activists. And most of the time that equates to African-American civil rights. But what I was never taught is that it's also sort of underneath all that people with disabilities are also trying to like, just get ramps for wheelchairs in public places. Yeah. I, I cannot imagine having to have lived before like 1980 as anything, but a white dude. Like right, just the amount of change that America has gone through in the past seventy years is nuts to me. It really is, and there was some some parts of this documentary where people are describing, you know, just to have a job, they had to drag their wheelchair oh, behind them upstairs. Yeah. Like, dude, that like breaks your heart. Like, they're just trying to be a person, just a regular person with a yeah. job. 
Yeah, I think... Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, so in the same boat as you, I wasn't quite ready for what this movie was going to dish out to me. Um, yeah. And I will say most, most of this movie is fairly feel-good. There's a lot of really um, heart-wrenching, but in a good way, kind of moments where you're like, yes, like these are great things that I would root for. There are a couple moments that caught me off guard in like just a disgusting, horrified way. Like we mm. get we get a we get a like a little tour of the inside of a like an insane asylum, basically. Where yeah, the institution. Yeah, uh, I wish I could think of the name. Doesn't matter. It Willowbrook. Willowbrook. Hopefully, it closed very soon. But like, you see all these children, actual footage from some news crew that went in to do this, and like in the worst conditions you can imagine. And I was, I started this last night and then I had to finish it this morning, but I was, I was several gin drinks deep at that point. I was just like, ugh, like the, 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 it just, it ruined me. Mm -hmm. Like the, the idea that people could treat a people would be like children, just like, yeah, throw them in there. And like the three minutes to eat thing really bothered me. Like just shove food in your, and then they cut forward to the cameras. Like this one kid tried to eat as much food as he could as quick as he could. And he kept throwing up. It's like, well, that makes sense now. Yeah, like, yeah, because the kid, the, a child from that institution, ended up at this summer camp, and one of the the people in the documentary was saying that this kid came from there, and they didn't know why, but he yeah. kept eating as much as he could, as fast as he could. It was because the poor kid hadn't had access to food. It's man. like the platform, but worse yeah. somehow. Seriously, and you know, one of the people, the the handicapped crippled people that they were interviewing that was one of the main characters was saying like the only difference was sheer luck that like they were born at the same time yep any one of them could have ended up there um it was it was just like you said revolting and just just horrifying at times but the majority of it was really really like feel good uh and it was such an inspirational story of just like you know there was one scene in particular where they were talking about, you know, how you're more than your body. Like mm. you're a, you're you're a person. You have that sovereignty, and it was just, God, it was crazy, man. It was, was such a good story. Was that the uh, the talk about? I think it was like a like a principal or something. Like let's get these wheelchairs inside or something like that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, chance? yeah, yeah. When there was everyone trying to uh, ride an elevator. Yeah, yeah. So. This, I mean, so again, like this is fo- actual footage from like the early seventies, mid seventies. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that even today we're like, all right, well, that's not maybe super cool. Like the use of, of the phrase mentally retarded is not great. Even, even now I think people are less on board with saying, uh, disabled people rather than saying people with disabilities. Cause it's the same kind of situation. Like they're not wheelchairs. They're people that are stuck in wheelchairs. Yeah. Um, and that sort of cultural conscious shift, um, I think is of is sort of a hopeful thing. It's nice to see that even since then we've we've made progress and are I clearly still have issues. People still have issues. Society does, but um, on the right track, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's all just about getting to a point where like everyone that's a person gets treated like a person. Mm. Uh, you know, verbiage aside, yeah, there's always going to be those those nuances and glitches and you know, certain terms in certain generations will definitely become outdated, you know, like, like the term mentally retarded is used a lot in this because I mean, that was the the, clinical term. That was a clinical term. And the reason why it's so frowned upon now is, is because it became a slur and uh, a, a slight, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting the way that they talk about themselves 
uh, and just you know this this movie deals with a lot of overarching issues as far as self worth and equality mm, yep. and you know being heard and it's it's issues that are timeless. Yeah, you know any era in human history, there are going to be people fighting these battles to be heard and to be seen, and it was an amazing glimpse into a time period where these people were being forcibly ignored and took drastic steps uh, to be heard. And uh, I absolutely loved my favorite, favorite, favorite part was when the Black Panthers brought them. Oh my God, dude, (laughs) that's funny you say that. Um, Yeah, because every, like most people, uh, especially over the age of like 40, 45, like have a very bad and incorrect idea of what the Black Panthers were because of uh, people in the media misconstruing them as like terrorists, basically. Yep. So I was watching this at like one 30 last night slash this morning. And that scene happened. And I thought of a podcast from, uh, well, it's stuff you should know, which is a, I'm a big fan of. And I recalled listening to a podcast on the black Panthers. So I sent it to, uh, my sister. And then today I called my sister and my mom and I was like, Hey mom, what do you think of the black Panthers? If you had to say like mostly good or mostly bad, what would you say? And she was like, well, mostly bad. And I was like, aha, that's not correct. You should listen to this podcast because they were actually one of the coolest uh, and most helpful uh, social groups in that time period. Wild. Yeah. And they they did a lot of good. Yeah, mostly good. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. That That's a whole nother uh, rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, there's a really good documentary about the Black Panthers on Netflix. Uh, and I'm trying to find it and I can't find what it was but i watched it and it was fascinating god uh i started looking also um it's not called the black panthers vanguard of the revolution is it Mm, i don't think so that looks like a good one though that's on uh that's on amazon yeah it was i can't remember what it was but i will i'll find it It doesn't matter yeah well you, you made a you made a point to say that a lot of this is about sort of like being heard as a person and there's there's one scene that actually caught me that I was gonna say before you said your favorite, because um, it jogged my memory, it was that there's there's one moment where at the camp at Camp Jeanette, which is how this movie kind of starts, um, and one I think she's probably like twenty, so one girl has uh, cerebral palsy, and they the filmmakers spend it's probably like a two almost two minute shot of her trying to say words or saying words in the best way she can, and oh, we yeah. we get subtitles, but like it in, in a weird way, it almost made me uncomfortable at first. I was like, I'm not used to hearing this slash having to try to understand it. So to like put the average viewer like myself kind of in those shoes and be like, look, you don't have to judge it. Actually, maybe at that point there weren't even subtitles. I think we were just watching her speak and then another camper kind of translated it. And it was like, it was just really eye opening to me. Like the idea that you would just sit there and listen. Cause most of the people did not understand but gave her the same respect as anybody else speaking was just a really, just a heartwarming, like this is a wonderful thing. Why not? That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did gave her that time. Yeah. And one of the other students was like, I think what yeah. she's trying to say is that and I was who like, also and had he, a speech impediment. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It was so good. Yeah. Like when you, when you think about it in a sense, the, 
the civil rights movement of, of African-Americans and people with disabilities, excuse me, um, really go hand in hand. It's people on sort of the top in a, in a sense, don't have to quote unquote deal with these other people. So we'll ignore them until these problems fix themselves or go away. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, it's like, no, they're not going away. We're going to try to fix them. And the fact that these things happened for all intents and purposes throughout history simultaneously is just incredible. I can't imagine living through the seventies. Like what a time of change. Be nuts. Mm. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was wild. Yeah. This was one of the most inspirational documentaries I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I don't, this is one of those cases where, I mean, we're talking about a documentary. This is documented history. I don't know that we're going to have much to spoil later on in the show. Um, so I think, unless you have anything else you want to add about this film, uh, maybe we just end by rating it and telling people to go watch it. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, as far as rating it, I, I don't know how really, you really yeah. have a hard time rating it anything yeah. other than a 10. It's a great, it was, yeah, it's great. It was a fantastic story. And, uh, I look forward to like talking about it in the danger zone as far as a few more of our favorite scenes sure. and some of just the, the, the nittier grittier like facts and what they went through and stuff. Cause this movie started out as, you know, a camp a movie. Summer camp movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I thought that's what it was. And yep. that's a big part of why I said, like, I wasn't ready. Like, yeah. I thought it was going to just be like a, a summer camp movie about empowering crippled kids sure. and disabled kids. And it turned into so much more. And it was this this documenting of this American revolution. Yeah. It was a, a huge part of a civil rights movement that they were able to piggyback upon. Um, probably because they couldn't walk. Also, uh, Vietnam but, was going on. I can't believe you made that joke. And also, <laughs> Vietnam was going on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Last thing, because that reminded me. Can we talk about like the sense of humor in this documentary? Oh, I loved it. Like, it, I, <laughs> there's so there's many so, things well, that get said. You, yeah, go ahead. They're just real people. Like, yeah. they're just talking frankly. Like, ah. Uh, when she says, I didn't want to die a virgin. I know. I was oh busting God. up. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, there's yeah. so many moments where where one of the people in the, one of the subjects will, will say something that almost makes you want to cry. And then they follow it up with a joke about it. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, they're right? laughing at themselves and, or at, at least at their circumstances, which if if you're on board with your empathy, you are then allowed to also laugh at the humor, I think. And that, yeah. that was just eye-opening to me too. So like for you saying, yeah, because because they're handicapped, that's why they piggybacked. Like my first instinct was like, no, no, no. And then I was like, that's a pretty good joke. Like, and most of the people, at least in this documentary, probably would have made that joke. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. It's what a great way to look at stuff. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. I, it's a 10. It was yeah. one of the best and most unforgettable documentaries I've ever seen. And um, like semi-spoiler, uh, the rev resolution to some of these issues didn't happen until my lifetime. Oh, sure. So the fact that it's relatively relevant uh, and also still socially relevant, you know, just about yeah. inclusivity and respect and equal rights, I think it's something that is timeless and sure. uh, it's a great documentary. I think you should all watch it. Yeah. I, I'm with you. It's a 10. It's, it's hard to, um, I mean, critiquing documentaries is sort of a different, uh, let's say art form that we, we don't usually do on the show. We don't do that many documentaries, but one thing that really gets under my skin is if a documentary is sort of trying to exploit 
its subjects. I don't, I never like that. It always feels dirty and kind of um, subversive to me. And I, I think this one is just an honest depiction of the efforts of a lot of people overcoming a ton of obstacles told in an honest way. And yep. it's a great story. So I, yeah, it's a 10 for me, 10 for you. Uh, let's put it Crip Camp on hold for now. Go watch it on Netflix. Uh, we both encourage you to do that, but we're going to jump into, if you're just joining the show, uh, cause you found us from the beer tournament or anything at all, we're jumping into hot and bothered, which is the segment of the show where we talk about things that have us very excited or very upset in the world. And we call it hot and bothered, wrap it all up into one. Johnny go first, dude. Yes. Do you want my hot or my bothered? I always want bothered first, uh, in this case, cause it sounds kind of funny unless you've experienced it like me. Uh, so listen, all of you out there, this is not funny. This is serious. It's an injury. Johnny, go ahead. <laughs> well, in my notes, I just have down uh, ripped taint. Could you go ahead and spell, um, that, spell that last word just so we all know what you're saying? T-A-I-N-T. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So as you are all participating in this quarantine, I am as well. And uh, I felt like getting outside yesterday. felt like taking the old beach cruiser for the old spinny spin around Chico and I haven't done that in probably a year, and I uh, wanted <laughs> to set my bicycle seat on fire after that. Yeah. I came back, barbecued some meat, and hung out, and I woke up this morning with this strange burning sensation uh, between my legs in my nether regions, <laughs> and um, there was some some serious uh, chafing, let's my say, God. in in the taintal region. <laughs> and uh, that really yeah. has bothered me all day because if you're not used to riding a bike uh, and you just hop on and go for, I don't know, I, I rode from my house to one mile and back. How far would you say that is? Uh, it's probably like total, probably like six miles, five miles. There you go. Something like that. Yeah. Not an extravagant amount for a bike ride. Sure. Um, it wasn't great. I mean, I had a beautiful time. It was nice, fresh air, all that. Uh, wind allergies killed me. I came back, could barely breathe. Felt like I had asthma or Corona. I don't know what was happening. Uh, you know, my, my butt hurt, my head hurt and I couldn't breathe. And, uh, yeah, if that doesn't bother you, then you're not breathing. That that sucks. God, it was rough. So I need to ease into that shit. Yeah. Like let's, let's take that little bit slower. So I have a couple of, um, biking shorts that I've sometimes used to wear, I guess when I used to ride, I bought a bike one time and I rode it for like, I don't know, six months or a year. And then sporadically you bought like a legit road bike. I bought a legit road bike. Cause somebody, a friend was selling it and I was like, sure, I got 600 bucks to burn. Why not? Uh, obviously whatever. Um, but I do have these shorts, which I think are designed poorly, but we can talk about that another time. Uh, you should get a pair of those cause they got, uh, for lack of a better phrase, sort of like gooch padding. And it helps yeah. a lot. All right. I need I need some of that gooch love. You do. Uh, but enough bothered. What's got you feeling hot this week? All right. So, yeah, that's definitely enough about that. <laughs> Too probably, much TMI. Probably forever uh, that's enough of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's got me hot this week is a Netflix original series. Uh, it just dropped uh, this last month. Uh, it doesn't have an exact date on IMDb when it dropped, but it's pretty much brand new. Uh, and it's called Feel Good. It is a comedy slash drama slash romance. Uh, and it stars Mae Martin, who plays herself, Mae Martin. She is a stand-up comedian and recovering addict. And this story follows her while she is trying to control uh, essentially addictive behaviors in her life. Uh, and also a very intense and fiery romance 
that pretty much kind of permeates and gets into like every facet of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so essentially, you're dealing with um, an ex addict, stand up comedian, very like gender fluid. Uh, they get into a lot of the uh, feelings and whatnot of being, you know, she's a woman, but she's also a lesbian and she's also like, doesn't feel like she's a woman all of the time. Mm. Like, um, it's fascinating. And it's something, uh, I don't particularly like seek out, um, you know, essentially queer love stories, but, um, it came across on my Netflix as, uh, I don't remember why. I think it was like, you watch something, you might like this. And I watched the trailer for it. And I was like, that looks really good. Like sometimes a, a love story or a romance is captivating no matter who the two people are because yeah. they're both very charismatic and there's just something there where there's chemistry and there's like the characters just all fit and it feels right and genuine. And um, watching these two women fall for each other and then try and navigate the issues that f- uh, come along with being uh, closeted, semi-closeted, and also insecure about gender roles and um, addiction and just insecurity in general. I think this is one of the most fascinating and honest looks at a relationship that I've seen in a very long time on film. Uh, and it doesn't really matter who the two people are that we're discussing. Just the fact that it was so raw and just like the the things that they talked about are like their conversations that people either are having or should be having with significant others and uh it was just a really really interesting show and i super dug the two characters that are the main actresses uh may martin plays herself like i said and mm-hmm. then this this uh, gal named charlotte ritchie plays her love interest georgina Gotcha. And there's a, a long list of supporting cast, including Lisa Kudrow mm-hmm. as May's mom, which is a very, she's a very interesting character in this. And, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of like childhood issues and, and uh, you know, abandonment when they had to kick her out because she was on drugs right. and just dealing with this checkered past. It was just some interesting characters. Uh, the only critique I have is it ended a bit abruptly and I kind of am demanding season two come out like right now. Right. Um. But overall, it was a fantastic watch. They're 30 minutes long, little uh, six episodes, 30 minutes each, very digestible. We watched it all in one night. Just nice, dude. Boom. Uh, it was very good. Uh, they even get into some of the politics of comedy um, and some of the sexism that exists there. Mm. Uh, it, it's just overall a very interesting show. And it was, it got a bit, I want to say almost soap opera ish, but it was so grounded in reality. Um, that I really, I, I bought in and I, I really liked it. And I think a lot of people listening would probably enjoy watching it. Yeah. So it was, it was produced in the UK, obviously, like you said, um, and they released, uh, basically their first episode on one of their local channels there and then put them all out on the 18th of March. And then Netflix acquired the distro and put it on internationally on the 19th of March, 2020. Nice. So this is fairly new. Fairly new. There's six episodes in total. Um, it's got a 100% uh, based on 22 critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And one of the writers at Variety said, feel good, feels low-key, insightful, and real in a way that so much of TV tries to be but rarely achieves quite like this. And yes, it can also feel pretty damn good. Hmm. I love it. I'll put that at the top of my list, man. Yeah, feel good. It's on It's on Netflix, you said? 
perfect. Yeah, it is. And I'll dive, I might dive in tonight after I uh, watch several of the other things we've discussed today. This is one of those shows that I feel like uh, this show and Euphoria <gasps> felt very similar. I was yeah, in that yeah. you you have an inside behind the curtain peek at relationships that you've never even thought about. And the yep. the gender dynamics and interpersonal dynamics that you've never even considered, but they're real and they exist. And when they're portrayed in such a genuine and true way, I think it's it takes huge steps towards these types of shows being seen not only as entertainment but as normal entertainment. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a nice it's a nice tie-in to like Crip Camp. You know, like we're we're hearing about stories that have never at least been told to us, but are a part of a lot of people's lives. Like ju- jumping back to Crip Camp very briefly, um, I think it was, was it Reagan that shot down the proposal at first? Or Nixon, yes. it was Nixon, I think. Nixon and then Reagan. Yeah, and and one of them had said something like, okay, well, when we think about it, this is going to cost a lot of money, and how many people is this actually going to help? Which is kind of a shitty thing to say. Like, it's going to help people, <laughs> and there's money to do it. So the fact that you get stories like Feel Good or like Euphoria on HBO, if you haven't watched it, my God, go watch it. It's so good. Um, Seriously. To have these stories represented in, um, let's say, mainstream culture is awesome. Mm -hmm. Like You should never be uh, against new ideas. I think that's a very bad sign. Try to stay open to ideas. Seriously. Pretty good rule in life. If you have one rule, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I agree so much. I'm so happy you watched Euphoria. I love it. I love it so much. It was so good. Yeah, it's so uh, good. And and this this I think is a really great follow up to that. Okay. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing your feedback on. I got it. you next week. Done. Boom. So that's my hot and my bothered. What about you? What's so, got you yeah, riled up? I don't have too much of a bothered. I will say that I watched a movie that came out in 2016 called The Lost City of Z or The Lost City of Zed if you're in uh, the UK. Have you seen that, by the way, Johnny? No, Zed's dead, baby. But it does have my boyfriend in it. <laughs> yeah, you I do, do want to watch it. You do love Charlie Hunnam. I love um, Charlie Hunnam a lot. So it's a movie that um, I sort of wrote off when I first saw it because it felt kind of like a cheesy, almost Indiana Jones rip. Mm-hmm. Um, it was directed by James Gray, who also like hasn't done a ton of stuff that I'm like, okay, I need to go watch his next movie. Like, I don't know. He did The Immigrant, which I haven't seen, but I've heard good things. He also directed Ad Astra, which we've covered on this show. Um, but basically, The Lost City of Z uh, chronicles the true story of a guy who decides to go uh, into, as he calls it, Amazonia and try to discover uh, this lost city of gold. Not quite El Dorado, but not uh, super far off. It stars Charlie Hunnam, Robert Pattinson, um, Sienna Miller, Tom Holland is in this. Um, nice. Out of the blue. Um, and it's, I was torn, man, because very, very infrequently do I find a movie that is very unconvincing in the beginning, but the ending almost pulls it off for me. Hmm. And this movie, I don't think quite reached that, but almost did. Uh, so is this falling into your hot or your bothered? I think it's falling into my bothered. I was going to okay. talk about it to the point that I figured it out. And I think it's going to be bothered. Um, the writing is, what were we talking about the other day where you said at multiple points, the writing made you cringe? Oh, that was uh, uh, the sci-fi movie we were talking about doing possibly for the show. Code Code Eight. Eight. Yeah. So you watched that the same night that I watched The Lost City of Zed, and I was like, Z, I'm not British. Um, There's just so many times where it's like plot holes and dialogue issues, 
but the end I think commentates a lot on sort of what it means to be a man and what it means to um, explore and like the purpose of life. And that stuff I think is pretty universal and rings true in a decent way in this movie, but you really have to get there. It's a really, uh, it's a clumsy kind of slow burn to the point where like the wick goes out and you have to relight it. And as long as you're sitting there watching, you'll be all right, but it could lose your interest very fast. Well, it sounds awful. It's not awful. I gave it, uh, I gave it two and a half out of five. So five out of 10 it's, I don't know. It's on Amazon prime. So if you have that, maybe check it out. It's way too fucking long. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's like, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's two hours and 20 minutes and he literally leaves and comes back and leaves and comes back this jungle. Like I think four, three or four times, three for sure. It's just, All right, well, it could have been calm condensed. Down. Just like yeah. do the thing. Um, and it, I don't know. It didn't have much to say if this were an hour and a half, I think this movie could have crushed it. Uh, but it didn't. And I want to see somebody make an edit of it where it does kind of truncate it in a way that is uh, both serving the plot and the audience. I think it could be that. But, you know. Okay. Um, I also just wanted to plug a quick hot that I had. I made a new cover video on my YouTube channel. I've been trying to stay busy with music stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And what that's turned into is me like staying in in our studio here that I've reconverted to music focused and like just mixing synth sounds and trying to find and like turning my volume way up and just like blasting to the walls, shaking like cool, like weird synth sounds. And that's been fun. <laughs> but I also nice. try to make things that are a little bit more palatable for the average listener. So I put up a video uh, on my YouTube, which is just Max Minardi music. And it's a Tom Petty song called Wildflowers. If you like music, listen to that. I think it's pretty decent. I like music cool. and I hate Tom Petty and I still listen. He's to He's dead, man. Doesn't mean I can't hate him. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's why I'm bothered this week. Nice. I like that. I love that you're still being creative and, and cranking out some content. Thanks, man. Uh, I have been enjoying some content from one of... Uh, this is completely out of the blue, but I'm going to talk about it. Bonus hot and bothered. Go. It's bonus hotting and not bothered. Yeah, um, sure. My favorite uh, band, as you know, is Coheed and Cambria. And their uh, brainchild... Claudio Sanchez mm-hmm. has a side project called uh, the Prize Fighter Inferno, right? And it is all like acoustic guitar with like glitch synth pop. If you've mm-hmm. never heard, mm-hmm. him, you should check it out because you were just talking about using like synth yeah. and doing an acoustic cover. I'm like, dude, that's so Prize Fighter Inferno. Like right. their first and se- their second album uh, is really good. Uh, his, I should say, it's all him. Right. He doesn't, just does it by himself because he's got a ton of synthesizers and stuff. You sent uh, me that. Well, he, you sent me that uh, Instagram live video. That was him, right? Yeah, that was super yeah. cool. Yeah, you sent me a video of a guy who I did some research and realized it was the Coheed and Cambria brain. Um, yeah, yeah, he had like I think probably like six or seven synths on his wall and was like kind of breaking down. I think it was a song or maybe an album. Yes, very cool. It was a song. Yeah, yeah, and he was going through. He was showcasing a new song. At the end of that Instagram live video, or in the middle, because he did a bunch of Q and A after, but sure. he played the whole song front to back. But going into it, he went through like all the elements that went into it. Like this is this synthesizer all chopped up, just doing different right. stuff, and it was fascinating. And I was like, Max would nerd out on this because yeah, it's just, I loved it. it was, I watched that, I watched it in the shower for like thirty minutes. <laughs> nice, just yeah. the raw production of yeah. it, like is so. And then hearing it all come together is really cool. Um, but he's actually put out two songs now from quarantine from his house that he did completely uh in that room 
about kind of what's going on now and emotions yeah. everyone's feeling. Uh, and it, I've just bought it. He just put it on iTunes. It's called More Than Love. Okay. Uh, if you look up the Prizefighter Inferno, More Than Love, um, it's this really like weird, glitch, poppy, super just weird but awesome uh, song about like kind of just the emotions everyone's feeling and like yeah. being scared and like, oh, it's so yeah. good. I've been listening okay. to it nonstop. You should check it out. I will. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, you should send me a link to that so I can put it in our episode notes. Yeah, I will. I'll send you a link right now. So we're about at the point in the show when we might re-enter the danger zone if there's something you still want to talk about with regards to Crip Camp. What do you think? Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. You know, there's a little um, kind of, uh, what do you, hmm, I don't know. There's not much. Yeah. I think the only things that I really wanted to touch on was the fact that the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, as we now know it, uh, didn't pass until 1990. Yeah. I was three, year, I was three years old. Yeah. Okay? I, I wasn't born like, yet. You're old. I was three years old. Like, I told <laughs> Shalina, I'm like, Shalina, this act is older than you are. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Like, or barely. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just, it. it's so crazy to think, you know, because- the simplest things that they were asking for, like dips in curbs, man. Yeah, I know. Like everywhere we go, we see those and we're like, okay, that's yeah, just that's, where you that's cross a the curb. street. Yeah. And like, no, those are there. So people with wheelchairs. That's can, wild. Yep. And you forget, um, like every bar that we go into has to have a, an ADA compliant, uh, serving, height bar yep so a lot of times it's the fold out bar that like goes up and down where people walk through but when you fold it down it's only like three and a half four feet high right that's not just to be low for any dumb reason yeah. it's to yep. be ada compliant so if someone yep. comes in with a wheelchair they can get served right um and it's it's funny to me how far reaching it was and yeah, it, it took a lot of retrofitting. One of the issues in the the documentary was like, it's going to take so much money to like, what do you want? Every hospital to be able to like, yes, yep, yep. That's, every yes. every hospital. Well, yeah, why is that so nuts? Yeah, that's what yeah. we want. <laughs> hospitals Lord. should be able to help all people. That's yeah. not crazy. Yeah, you know, but yeah, and it's funny because I've actually been a part of new buildings being built several times in my career as far oh, as really? like breweries building tap rooms and just um you know even with uh we just shouted uh talked about them off the air sure um, do it you know Mul mulberry station yep. uh, that's opening here in chico they're open for pizza now my old boss roland love the guy um and just being in there and seeing the building process that they have to have a bar that's low you know, and then a ramp to get in and like, yeah, all this shit just because it's ADA yeah. compliant. Like it's just built into our procedures now at this point. Yeah. And uh, it took a lot for them to get that signed in, but it's pretty good that they did. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know, people having to work that hard is, is uh, well, admirable, but also it sucks. Like once we get into sort of the, um, like the protesting phase of the documentary, it's just like so many obstacles were laid at the feet of these people. And they were like, Nope, that's fine. We don't care. We're going to destroy those. <laughs> yeah. When they're talking, you know, when during that protest, like you're talking about people that need full-time assistance yeah, and people that need catheters and yeah, man. that people can't roll over themselves or sleeping on the ground for something they believe in. Yeah. And just sacrificing their body and their well-being and like mm -hmm. their comfort and 
their their comfort is an understatement. Their yeah, their right. humane like existence. Just, yeah, like uh, yeah, intense. and the lengths that people go to uh, to be heard and valued for what they know they're worth. Yeah, never ceases to amaze me. It's yep. one of the most amazing things about humans that I've ever gotten to see with my own two eyes. And this documentary really showcases that in yeah. such a beautiful way. Yep. Like, um, it was just magnificent, and it makes you feel good to watch, and it reminds you to be good to everyone. And yep. I think if that's the only thing you take away from this documentary, then it was a hundred percent worth it being made. Agreed. I think that's uh I think that's where we're at, man. Yeah, I have nothing else. I I can't think of anything else I'd want to say. Okay. Uh I loved it, man. It was great. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. Well, we are going to get out of here. But if you have not had the chance yet, please go check us out on all of the social medias we listed at the top of the show. If you feel so inclined, give us a rating, or if you're feeling saintly, a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, that'd be great. Go vote in the championship round of Beer Badness. Announcements will be made for the uh, winner of all that next, uh, let's say next Tuesday. Um, So subscribe, do all that. Uh, Know that this episode wouldn't be possible without the support of Bailey Minardi, uh, and know that that is Johnny Summers. And that's Max Minardi, and we can't wait to get back to you guys next week. So until then, we love you guys, and we'll see you. Bye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.